0: Warning, Star Trek from the Holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walking it alone! Fire!
1: Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open Sesame!
2: Commander Klingon Vessel, we are energizing transport of evil. Now! Welcome everyone to Star Trek from the Holodeck. This is the Picard Edition, and I'm your host and captain of the USS Rain Man Digital, Michael Flores, at your service and at the helm is Ensign David. Hello. Hooray. Happy to be at Ensign. All right. Do you want to go back in time and and um become part of the
0: lower decks crew instead? I, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> know what I was lost gonna say. It? <laughs>
2: Alright, so if you're a new listener to the show We do cover a wide variety of Star Trek content And you can find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts Just search from the holodeck Okay, David, so this episode is directed or was directed by Jonathan Franks again And written by Cindy Appel and Jane Mag. I think right off the bat, David, I'm just going to call this episode, the titty episode
0: because <laughs> everyone had their titties out. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, Okay. All right. So everyone's dress is just low cut. Yeah. Seven to nine titties out. Rafi titties, titties out. Gerardi? Out. Gerardi titties, titties out. out.
2: I mean, a couple episodes ago, the Borg Queens titties were out as oh. she was crawling with just her hands. I was like, "Wow, I don't know if I should be disgusted or aroused right now. What the hell is happening?"
0: That was that was a very very com- confusing scene too because I'm like, going, "I don't know, either be aroused, yeah, just like when you said, I'm like going, I'm like, please assimilate me, assimilate me, exactly."
2: <laughs> yeah. So, David, before we get into the ins and outs of the episode, let's talk about the growing apprehension many Trek fans are starting to have about this season my, how quick people's opinions and thoughts can change literally at a drop of a hat. Uh, There seems to be a level of disenchantment among certain Trek fans and it's picking up steam over the last couple weeks. I'm a little disappointed just because not in the show, I'm disappointed that in the fans that we just can't ever seem to enjoy something. And even though I'm saying that, David, I do understand where many of these fans are coming from. Unlike last year's Picard fans, the ones who uh, did like the show, I didn't quite understand that because a show that is written as bad as the first season, it's really hard to enjoy watching something that's just written uh, very poorly.
0: Very, very poorly. And that's the thing is kind of (laughs) like... I can't understand Star Trek fans sometimes because last season we were, we were upset that basically they were belittling the legacy of Picard. Right. The writers you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And then this season, this season Picard's legacy is just full bore. The importance of Picard's legacy. Because they made mistakes last season. Yes. As we've said, the writers
2: are aware they almost destroyed his legacy last season. And now they are, repairing it and strengthening everything that we had known about Picard or even things that we don't know about him, obviously. So getting back to this overall disappointment that a lot of fans are having with this season, more and more people are voicing concerns that the entire season, it would seem at least at this point to be, is taking place within the 21st century. It is. And truthfully, I'm not sure how to evaluate these comments because objectively speaking, the season is written just fine so far. There's far more strategy and foresight. And if we are dealing with a type of causal loop paradox, as we had discussed last episode, that's even more intriguing and shows a deep understanding of Trek canon and its many connective dots. So from that angle, I can appreciate what's, what's happening. If, if successful with this strategy, the writers deserve applause. Now, subjectively speaking, I'm putting away my critical analysis hat, David, and, rep- and I'm rep- doing a very rare thing that I try not to do on shows. And I'm going to replace that critical analysis hat with solely the fan hat. Okay. For, for just this moment here. I'm putting on my Star Trek fan hat. I agree. With their disappointment, Dave,
0: when do I ever agree with the larger consensus (laughs) of the Star Trek fan base? Very seldom. Very seldom. But here's the scary part. I'm kind of with you on that boat. Once you actually actually take a step back and look at it from a fan's perspective, I understand why some fans are... A little disinterested in Picard season two starting, you know, probably within the last two episodes, especially finding out that we're stuck here in the twenty, the, the early 20th century.
2: I think that's when it set in for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. And I get it. I, I really do. But you also have to take a step back and say, well, once they went down this route...
1: Mm -hmm.
0: once they went down the route of time travel and everyone was on a board, especially how they treated it. I mean, me and you were both very into being okay with the time travel element. Once they actually started tying it to star Trek lore, but now this is just, maybe this is just my own opinion about time travel, writing time travel. But when you start a time travel story, You initially basically write yourself into a corner because here's the thing. They went back in time. They're dealing with Picard's legacy. Yes. But we all know that they cannot deviate from the importance of first contact. They can't. They just can't. (laughs) Well, there's only so much they can do. There's only so much they can do. And like, I get it. Well, we want to be in space. We want to see spaceships. We want to see all this. True, but we're not there yet, and we won't get there until first contact. I know, but so what are you saying? They they wrote themselves into a hole where they basically say. But so the do one you agree? That- so do you agree with the fans in their disappointment? Or- I agree. Okay, all I right. agree with the fans' disappointment, but I tailor that with saying I also understand that. The writers at this point wrote themselves into a corner, right. and that's this is what they got. Well, what, yeah,
2: what are the writers going to do? They chose a time in Star Trek history that is very difficult to write a full series in unless they are very, very careful, as mm-hmm. we have discussed. And if you want all the ins and outs and those details, listen to our last discussion thoroughly, and you'll realize that we broke down all the potential aspects pertaining to the connections from 50 years of Star Trek history up to now. And if they do that, then, hey, A plus and, and applause all around. But my point is, is I get the disappointment and I typically don't agree with the larger Star Trek fan base as a whole because I'm not one to always complain. Typically, I view anything I watch as a critic as it not being mine. Yeah. This isn't my show. I'm not writing it. So I'm not going to sit here and dictate your story. Your story is your story. But what I will do is I will evaluate the story you're giving us. That's my job in this show. Yes. But as a Star Trek fan now, looking at this subjectively, I do understand where these fans are coming from. Because Mm -hmm. as Star Trek fans, a part of our enthusiasm is the exploration of space and starships. Yes. Not giving us the same shitty world we live in every fucking day of our lives. Exactly, and
0: if I'm tired of our world, and if you think about it, let's let's compare this to now. This is going to spark a lot of opinions, mm-hmm. but let's take a look at Star Trek IV, okay? The 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 one that basically makes time travel relevant in all of Star Trek, right? But if you re- if you rewatch that movie again and again, like going back to it again, it again, exactly, it's not relevant. Why? Because at the end of the day, while it's a fun movie and it's funny, the satire is there. It's it's a great. It's not bad. It's not bad. It just doesn't hold up because it, doesn't it takes feel place like in the twentieth in the twentieth century. century, and it dates itself because yeah, and and it's stuck there because like. You can't have a starship just show up in the 20th century. That doesn't make any sense.
2: <laughs> and we
0: didn't even have a
2: enterprise in that movie. We had a Klingon bird of prey. So that's one reason why I've never really gravitated to Star Trek four after, I don't know, five, six years yeah. had gone by. I was like, man, I always skipped that one because it's just, to me, it doesn't have
0: Rewatchability. Rewatchability. Now, I know that there's many Star Trek fans right now listening to us saying that, well, they've done it before in Star Trek. They did it in TOS a ton of times. They did it in yeah, TNG Enterprise, where they go back. Yeah, Space Nine. Yeah, yes. They go back in time, right? But they only did it for one episode. Yeah. At two at most. There's mm-hmm. a two-parter. We're talking about an entire season. So that's more than two episodes. That is, you know, wh- uh, what's, this, what's the episode count for this season yeah. episode uh, 10 episodes 10 episodes so 10 episodes not just two because if it was just two in the t- two in the past fine yeah that works but we're talking 10 episodes in the 20th century that that you're just basically stuck in for right now but you don't get the elements of star trek that makes star trek
2: yeah and that's a little disappointing it is and i am conflicted because as i said the writing is Fine this season it is not bad there's nothing to gripe and complain about other than the fact that we are stuck in the 21st century during a time that we live in and I just am not very interested in that particular backdrop I do like what they're doing with the story so far now it's still too early to tell how this season will end if you remember last year I want to say we had given into our hate around episode seven or eight. Is that when it fell apart for us last season? So we haven't got to that mark yet. No. And I don't feel like we're going in that direction because going back and watching season one, now there were red flags long before episode seven and episode eight. Whereas with this season, I don't see those red flags. So again, the writing is not the issue and when i say the writing i'm talking about the mechanics and what they're doing and how they're doing it and how they're introducing things connecting those issues character development all of that is fine this year yes the picard stuff and how the entire season is actually revolving around picard, picard. is fantastic and it's how it should be but the biggest problem i keep coming up against is the is the conflict between critical analysis and sheer Star Trek
0: Star Trek. fan.
2: I, I'm having uh, a, a moment of, I'm having a bit of an identity crisis. You're having a Star Trek baby moment. Yes, I am. And I don't like to have that. But unfortunately, I just don't care about the 21st century. Even though I understand what they're doing, I honestly feel like at the end of the day, this is a mistake to spend this much time in the 21st century, if it was three yeah. or four episodes, or let's say it was eight episodes, fine. Then you better give us five or six episodes more that take place outside of the confines of yes. the 21st century. And that
0: that the, if there is a red flag, I would point to in this in this particular episode is the character of Renee, because. The thing I'm worried about, Renee turning into this year this season Soji. We can't have that. Yeah. Well and you, what we, Explain that. What do you mean? This is not this is not a Rene Picard show. It's a Jean-Luc Picard show. Yeah. So far we're fine though. And so far we're fine. Yeah. But when you throw in the element of this one person's importance. Well,
2: David, the name of the show isn't Captain Picard or Sean <laughs> Luke Picard. What if they add like a little S at the at, end? At the like end. The oh, my God.
0: The Picards. The Picards. The Picards. Oh, my God. That would be hilarious. But and I would give them, I'd, I'd give, I'd give them applause at that point. No. <laughs> i go, oh, you cute. You're cute. But, but that's the thing I'm really worried about. If there is a red flag that I was looking for because I've been, uh, I've been seeing the same things you have is like, people have been really, you're starting to hear the disgruntlement now Mm -hmm. right here, especially after this episode and the the disgruntlement mean you have just dated. We understand it. David, There's something missing. And I, I, when I went through rewatching it, the only time that I really felt, uh, this is kind of iffy was the Renee stuff because you cannot make Renee Soji. Okay. Yeah.
2: I, I don't think they're going to do that. But if you do want to complain about something pertaining to Renee Picard, David, do you know what it should be? What? The fact that she was the only lady not wearing a
0: titty dress. <laughs> Come on now, Renee. <laughs> that is true. That's true. She was more, she was more, you know, She. she's a shy soul. Man. Oh, she's, she's a a shy. Ke- she's a keeper. Seven and nine better look out because she- Renee Picard is. It's she, pretty steamy. She even has like, you know, issues of self-confidence and has oh, to I talk love to a therapist. Yeah, of course, she's not going to have a flash. She's, sheet. she's like a wounded animal. <laughs> a wounded bird. A wounded bird. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so creepy. Okay, so let's dig into this episode officially. So the biggest element of the episode that drove this episode had heavy implications. The bigger picture of Star Trek and Picard as a series. It was the elements connected to, I'm going to go through these one by one. Gerardi, as she continues to be slowly assimilated. Corey is apparently a creation of Dr. Adam Soon. Yes. We're not quite sure of all the details, but uh, I think we can safely say that she is a creation of some sort. Yes. Picard's mother and her issues of melancholy or depression. Technically, they're both kind of the same. So those are the three biggest elements when it comes to the bigger picture of Star Trek, as well as the bigger story of Picard in itself. Let's start with the biggest one, which is Karate. Interestingly, the writers have managed to take one of the more unlikable characters last season and make her one of the more interesting characters. Of the bunch, and I'm not sure if this is a good idea. But let me go through all my points first, David, and please interject and in how you view this entire uh, fleshing out of this character. Okay, she's not Bacard, and that's my only problem. Is you have this very complicated character who, at this point after this episode, is probably more interesting than Picard She's more interesting than seven and nine. She's more interesting than Rios. She's more interesting than Rafi. She's more interesting than Renee. She's more interesting than Q. She's more interesting than Adam Sung. And I don't know if that's really what you want to do with a character like this. Exactly. She's yeah. highly complicated, which makes her fun to watch. We like complicated people because they are not easily categorized. Which is more authentic when trying to explore the human condition, which is what Star Trek is all about. Yes. Here we have a character who obviously lives within the gray. She seems to be attracted to the gray areas of ethics, taking the ideas of loneliness and using it to justify certain character flaws. I mean, look at what we, um, what the writers did with her last season, you know, having her kill some guy in cold blood. Cold blood. Uh, Then we have her again here willingly accepting. The Borg Queen's consciousness, or I guess you could say allowing herself to be assimilated to a certain degree. I mean, that isn't something that I would say, thumbs up, great ethics. That's slightly unethical because you're taking a huge risk of destroying the entire future of the world because you're allowing a Borg queen to essentially walk and roam free amongst 21st century Earth.
0: Yeah, you're You're essentially, we've been asking ourselves, who is the big bad in this se- se- uh, season? Mm-hmm. And everyone's been saying, oh, Q's going to be the villain. Q's going to be the villain. In actuality, the most dangerous creature they could have actually introduced was the Borg queen, who is by far the biggest threat. She is the
2: biggest threat. Especially now that she has assimilated Gerati.
0: Yeah. Like here's here's a here here was a crazy idea I thought about, Mike. And you know, this is me putting on a tinfo hat. Mm-hmm. Currently, right now, Picard is his he's not responding to his body. Essentially his artificial body is not working, correct? Mm-hmm. Now this is just Throwing this out there, what if the Borg Queen's able to actually infiltrate Picard's mind and take over his body?
2: I understand where you would see that coming, yes, but I don't feel like they're going to do it because it just feels expected.
0: Exactly. That's what, that's what I mean. But that's my point. This is like, if she's the biggest threat, obviously she would be the one to actually change the history we've been saying that it's q but remember last season we were or not last season, but last episode we're like maybe q's not really trying to hurt anything he's yeah. probably trying to save something Th- that, Why I'm would still, he try to save it
2: i'm still on that side of things especially after what rafi said or not rafi um laris the new version of laris what's yes. her name uh Is it Teresa? Talon. 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 You don't have a character say, what if Q is right? Unless there's a very specific reason why you have a character voice an opinion that is probably on the back of many of our minds. People who understand Star Trek through and through when it comes to the Q angle. I feel like a lot of us are on the same page right now. Sure, there are people out there who view him incorrectly as an antagonist and a villain. He's never been that. He's simply a philosophical tool and an obstacle, possibly at times a nemesis to Picard, possibly. yeah. But more often than not, he's just a writing device to help pose questions and to help flesh out Picard. He's never been a true villain in the show. So, knowing that no doubt many other Star Trek fans are also thinking this doesn't feel quite right. You can't really be the end all baddie here. It yeah. doesn't feel sincere to who we have been introduced to for, I don't know how many years, 30 years or so now with, with TNG. So we'll see when it comes to the Q angle, but bringing it back to Jurati and your locutus theory here. I don't feel like we're going to get Locutus. If you look at what they're doing with the boar queen and Gerardi, yes. it feels very much this is this is it. It's not going to go much further. She's not going to try to assimilate Bacard or 7 of 9 because there's an obvious attraction that the queen has with Gerardi. With Gerardi. She with sees Agnes. some type of potential in Agnes that she desires that she needs in order to survive. Whether we get more on exactly what that is remains to be seen. But as of now, I feel like we can guess that it's just her unethical behavior that's attractive to the Boar Queen. Yeah, She knows how to play Agnes because she has been in her head. She knows what her weaknesses are and she is playing her like a fiddle.
0: Yeah. And especially since this entire season, we've been seeing characters... Who are "quote unquote" unethical? I mean, Agnes is one of those characters. Q, is, you can make the argument he's unethical, especially like he plays fast and loose. Fast with ethics, and loose side. but say. even with even with Adam Sung, Adam Sung is highly unethical.
2: Very much so.
0: <laughs> but there's there's a certain there's a certain under uh, I want to say like relatability, probably absolutely to the fact that. His main goal is his daughter. Well, okay. That's his
2: universe. You are right, David. And that's my entire point for this entire Agnes aspect. Her and Adam Soon, mostly Agnes, are the more interesting characters at this point. Because yeah. they seem to have a lot more to lose. Even though we're talking about the future. The future's at stake. But what we're seeing presented to us at the immediate, we're seeing Agnes's
1: complications. And we're seeing Dr. Soon's complications
2: Complications. and the issues of the two. We relate to Agnes to a degree because of her loneliness and her inability to connect with humans, with humanity. She's an outsider. We can also see relatability when it comes to Dr. Soon because who doesn't want to save uh, a loved one? A loved one. Although that may be something we have to... Look at differently now after this episode. Who knows if he actually loves her or not.
0: We will, we'll see how that plays out. That, that, now that you bring that up. That is probably the other thing. That I'm also kind of worried about. Because bringing up this element of. Cor- uh, Corey's. The big secret is. About the genetic experimentation that she underwent. Mm-hmm. And she has no memory of it. Why would she have a memory of it though?
2: But let's save that. Bring yes. that up again. okay? Because I want to hear your explanation on that. Okay, so bringing it back to Agnes just to close this part of our discussion out completely. She is one of the more relatable characters this season, and unlike last year where there was no real consequence for her actions, there will be a price to pay. Actions have consequences. We see this playing out in this episode. The cost of her actions is that she's losing her autonomy. I'm sure this will not be the only cost incurred before the end of the season, and this is something that you and I, even though we enjoy the hell out of Discovery, but one thing that we always talk about with Star Trek Discovery is there's very little consequences when it comes to the actions of our crew. There's no learning moment because no one is ever made to feel like they made a mistake. Yes. Whereas with Picard, something that I really like, do- I like what they're doing with Agnes is pretty much the entire show has this, These deeper implications of consequences. Consequences, yes. And so far, Agnes's character is more or less the overt side of those consequences. We'll see how it plays out for Picard because whatever happens with Picard has to. It has to tie in. It really does. Okay, so Dave, your theory and the consequences of actions, I think, goes hand in hand. Because your theory several episodes ago was that Agnes is actually actually the the Borg Borg Queen Queen from the future. Yes. And more and more, I don't quite see how it will play out or will work, I should say, when it comes to all the time travel and how does she get to this moment, unless we are doing with that, that causal loop. And we know that the Borg Queen has the ability to essentially...
1: Uh, What's the word they used
2: since temporal incursions and anomalies. Yeah. So that could justify why the Borg queen from the TNG era era might have set all this in motion for whatever reason, but more and more, David, I am agreeing with you. It looks like Agnes will end up being Being the Borg Borg queen.
0: Queen. Yeah. Because like, especially when I, you go back and replay it, The fact that she is completely encased within her own armor, very similar to like discovery and face cover with the face cover with the angel. I was like, I, it's not the board queen that we know of. Yeah. It is obvious that basically the, the person underneath that mask is someone we haven't seen yet. Yep. And then with everything going on with Agnes, I was like, that's when it dawned on me, going, hey, wait a minute. If we all, if this leads back to events repeating itself and we go back and, and we, we essentially have to go back to that moment in the episode one where the explosion happens and the board Queens are simulating the, the ship. If we find out right then and there, and we all know as the audience that that's Agnes. Yeah. That's why that, that, that moment played out the way it did.
2: Yeah, it does seem like we're getting there, David. How happy, look at your smile on your face. How <laughs> happy will you be if you, if your theory proves to be true?
0: Oh, I'm going to be extremely happy because I like it when I'm Nostradamus because that means that I I can see where the writing is. Yeah. The only problem, Mike, is is like when I start thinking to myself bad ideas. Yeah, please, no. And I start seeing the tidbits there, you know, like I'm like, like are we going to see the like, Renée is going to be. They're going to change Star Trek and basically make Renée like the person who goes out into space. Utterly, you know, changing the dynamic of first contact, and it's no longer the importance of. uh, I just blanked on his name. Cochrane Zefram <laughs> uh, Cochrane. Yeah. If they if they totally just play off the importance of that and say Nope. It's Renee going up into space and the Picard legacy pushing us forward, and that becomes the example of the Federation.
2: Yeah. I don't think they're going to do that, Dave. It, it would be hell to pay. If they completely rewrite Star Trek history, Zephryn Cochran is so innervated within Star Trek history, it would feel, it would feel pointless, number one. Why, why do
0: that? Here's, There's no reason for it. Here's the craziest theory that I, I thought oh, about. God, here we go. Okay? So if, I was, if I'm right about Agnes, Agnes becomes the board queen. The one thing that has been just in my mind ever since I watched this episode, what if it comes down to it and Picard has to make a decision to either save Renee or let her die in an accident? Because, like, yeah. we haven't, we haven't, t- they, they haven't said why is that moment of Renee going out into space important. And as scary as it sounds, Mike, you know what po- jumped in my head? If you want to touch on memorable moments of space, the Challenger incident, what happened when the Challenger incident happened? That yeah. changed the game in space travel for everyone. Everyone decided to take it more seriously. It wasn't just go but, up to the moon. But we also
2: have to remember that because of the time they chose to travel back in time, or I should say the writers chose to dabble in, you have to remember that we're dealing with a future that's not, re- or I'm sorry, a, we're dealing with a 21st century. That's a better way of saying this. Yes. We're dealing with a 21st century that's not quite like the one we're living in. Because you have to remember, the eugenics wars have already happened. Yes. Yes. So how has that affected humanity in this version of the 21st century? We have not really delved into that at all. No. Also, two years from
1: two years from the events that Picard I can't
2: talk anymore. Two years from now when it comes to the chronological aspects of Picard season 2. Yeah. World War Three starts. World War Three starts, right? So we don't really understand fully this version of the 21st century. So there's certain things they can do. So I know you have said at the top of the show that they kind of wrote themselves into a, corner, into a corner. And I would agree for the most part. But also they have some room to play because last episode they had mentioned that this is a time period that, they don't really know a lot about because, yes. of, World because III. of World War because of World War Three. There was an entire century that there weren't, or leading up to that, the century leading up to to first contact. They said they are not quite clear what had transpired because of all the chaos.
0: Yeah, and the, thing, the the reason why I think this new theory about like how we're go where we're going is like imagine all the talks that they've been having. Remember last episode we were saying that. Q isn't trying to be malicious. He, he, that's not his MO. It's not his MO, but it's,
2: we don't, we still don't know what the writers are up to. What, the, to what the
0: writers are up to. So me and you speculate, what if it comes down to Q carrying this big secret that he causes World War three? Yeah. And he has to carry that. And then, but Picard has to help him instigate it. And the instigation is the accident of Renee Picard dying on in, in the launch. Listen, I think we could see that. And yeah. I think that's very feasible. It seems very feasible. Yeah. And that that's why I was like going, if they were to go this route, okay. But essentially, I came to the conclusion, they wrote themselves into a corner.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll see, David. We'll know soon. We only have, what, three, four episodes left? Yeah. So we will know soon. Let's talk about Adam Soong. The writers have developed Adam Soong in a way that feels sincere to the Sung family. I will say it that. It does a lot. I mean, this is a family that is known for playing fast and loose with science and oftentimes yes. delving into the areas of the unethical as a means to an end. This is nothing new to Star Trek fans. We have now seen numerous Trek shows delve into the Sung family.
0: Yeah. Let's let, let's forget the last Sung, which was in, in Inigo. ego. He, he don't count. He he's, doesn't he's count. He's fake. He's fake. He doesn't. He's a this. fake Sung. Yeah, I, re-
2: I don't recognize that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he's
0: not a true song scientist. Yeah, he's, he's a He's a fucking Shea band son. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Mike, use your imagination. That's science. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. So after this episode, it would appear that Corey is a genetic experimentation, yeah. a unique genetic creation or possibly a clone of some type, a number of theories of failed experiments Experiment, ba- based yeah. on this episode. There are theories out there pertaining to Corey's place in Trek canon. Uh, but it's hard to pinpoint anything definitive due to the potential causal loop situation that yes. we keep talking about. Now, if these events never happened before, then Q's involvement was never a part of Soong's experimentation. And Corey would eventually die like the other experiments. Yes. Because it was Q that gave Soong the secret sauce essentially to, to cue her. Cure her. But if Q's actions have always been a part of the past, then Corey's place in Trek canon could end up being way bigger than any of us would have imagined. Yes. Also, if we are dealing with a causal loop and Q's actions has always been a part of this part of Trek history, then we also know that Corey has to have a big part in the history of Star Trek. Yes. Otherwise, why even explore that aspect? Exactly. There is no reason to do it unless there is a payoff for it. And that's why more and more, Dave, I am thinking that we are dealing with a causal loop. Yes. There is no other reason why we're jumping through these hoops and delving into this part of Star Trek history. Unless by the end of the episode, we find out that that's the twist, that this has always happened. The Picard always needed to travel back in time. Q always needed to do this. In order to secure the future, you have to save the past. And Q has to fuck up the future. Amazing. If they pull that amazing. off, David, I really think that's amazing. But yes. we have a long way to go. We do. Before we can thoroughly enjoy what they are cooking up. If indeed that is what they're doing,
0: especially if they tie the whole soon thing. The one, the one thing that's been making me really interested in the Corey aspect of the soon's it, it keeps reminding me about that moment between Dr. Soong and data when Mm -hmm. Dr. Soong is telling, talking to data about why do we have children? And then he basically says, we don't wear condoms. (laughs) (laughs) And then he talks about how children carry on the legacy And then you have this character who his child is dying. And imagine if he loses that child. Mm -hmm. Essentially to him, Corey is Adam Sung's legacy. That's all of his work.
2: Yes, his legacy. But I don't think we're dealing with a Sung that is as sentimental as, say, the Sung from Enterprise. The one that adopted the genetic children. The genetic children. And also, of course, Noonien Soong, the original Soong, the one that created Data, who was also sentimental. Yes. If you listen to how he's talking to even Corey, that you're my life's work. Work. Yeah, that's what that is. It's no longer you're my daughter and I love you. Also, the Soong from Enterprise, I keep forgetting his name. I believe it's Eric Soong. I think it is. He wasn't a murderer. murderer. No, he was. In fact, he wasn't willing when it came down to it. Yes. He was unethical in the areas of science. He believed in eugenics. He felt like it was a mistake to put away that program, but where he drew the line was killing people. Yes. In fact, that's what made him turn on. What's the name? I keep forgetting the name of the actual con people. I forgot, I forgot what they are. The but, augments. Uh, the, yeah. The augments. Like that's, a, that's what, that's the reason why Eric Soong from Enterprise in the, I believe the third season of Enterprise, that's why he turned on the augments. And it was, and it hurt him. I believe he even cried over it because he viewed them as children, but he also understood that they were dangerous. They were dangerous. So it, there was lines he was not willing to cross. Whereas with Adam Soong, he took out Picard
0: in a car. He did a drive-by <laughs> on Bicard. Yeah, and that caught me so off-guard, dude. I was yeah. like, going, what I is laughing. he doing? He's not really, oh my god, he just, just ran him he over. He ran him down. <laughs> That's some gangster shit. That is, that is. It's some gangster shit. And then he goes home, and yeah. he's like totally unfazed. not care. He's all whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> See,
2: this is the first song that is a bit of a wild card. Like, I don't think any other Soong we've ever seen is was willing to kill. Yes. So that also throws a curveball and
0: things. The now, only, the, also, only Soong, David, the only the only Soong that's willing to kill was Lore. Think about that. Right. Right. That even, Lore was the only one that said, eh, "Yeah, I've, I've killed people. It doesn't matter." Now, my question, Dave, I wonder
2: if Picard knew of Adam Soong, or at least the Soong legacy. Now he had said that not a lot is known of this time because of the chaos. The chaos, right? Yes. But when he saw Sung, there there wasn't just recognition and surprise. It was almost like I should have known. Did yes. you pick up on that? There yeah. was a face of recognition. At first, it was surprise. Oh, this guy looks like Sung. But then it was, oh, this guy. I is know you. Soong. Yes. It was like instant understanding that this guy wasn't to be trusted. So I'm wondering if Picard knew of Adam Soong's
0: sorted past. Well, you have to figure because data was so close to Picard and he understood that data in himself came from a broken family. You know, he had lore. Then he had to deal with like all the fallback of, Dr. Soong and all of his gambits that he put for them. But it also would make
2: sense, right? That it Picard would. would know of the Soong family. If you spend you know, your a large portion of your career and you develop a friendship with a droid that was created by the Sung, The Soongs. Then I would imagine that at some point you would research the Soongs. Oh, especially since like especially since it wasn't Soong, Noonie and Soong like Universally renowned, yeah, like you, super famous. Everyone knew of him,
0: yeah. So and then you have to throw in the fact that the way that they portrayed the Sung legacy is has been very tragic, especially when you get to Enterprise and you you introduce Eric Sung was tied to the to the creation of Khan, essentially (laughs) he worked with Khan, and then. What happened to what happened to those people happened because of Eric Sung, because of all the stuff that
2: happened. Okay. What are you talking about? I'm lost now. Who worked with Khan? No one worked with Khan that I know. They
0: didn't work with Khan, but basically. The the Augments?
2: The Augments. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying.
0: And like when you have that type of legacy, you kind of can tell that the name Sung is almost like infamous in Star Trek history. Yep. Like I would, I wouldn't be surprised if like, if I was in Starfleet Academy and you would I, study went to, yeah, I yeah. would go to history class. Oh, Hey, look, Eric. Yes. Okay. What is this Yahoo? <laughs>
2: right. Exactly. Especially since he was very well known during the enterprise era. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of history pertaining to the Sung family. So you're right. Dude, that's a great point. If you were to go to Starfleet Academy, I would assume there'd be a chapter on Sung. Yes. All right. So all of this so far. I would say, if you look
1: at the characters we have discussed so far, Hugh, Adam Sung, Agnes, they seem to be connected thematically, and I would
2: say that theme is hubris. Was this the predominant theme of the episode? Was it hubris? Was it a sort of arrogance that
1: will shape the error of their ways that they will regret?
0: We will see. That, that is a good point. Now that I think about it, I mean, like every single character has had a touch of hubris this entire season. Yeah, that does. I mean, seem- even Rios. Rios. The whole thing with Rios, I was like going, why is he falling in love with this woman? He should know better. Uh-huh. But it's his hubris. Yeah. It's his own hubris that put him in this situation. Now,
2: I'm wondering also because of the defiance towards Q, they keep calling him a god, the people who don't know him. And if you look at the definition of hubris in the Greek tragedy sense, not the official definition that we all know, excessive pride toward or defiance of the gods leading to nemesis. Yes. I feel like we are dealing with a type of hubris and whether or not it was just used for this episode or perhaps even the entire season as a whole. And there is an argument to be made that it has been from the very beginning. Well, yeah. So we'll see where that goes. But if you are reading in between the lines and you're delving into that subtext, There is a bigger picture here. And a lot of it is pointing to Q not being the villain.
0: Yes. Because like, I'm sorry, the, the, the whole point of encounter and far point still sticks in my head about like Q basically looking at telling Picard, Hey, you guys created all these atrocities in history and you expect to be worthy to going up into space and exploring the stars. Right? Why? And then suddenly we flash forward years after encounter Farpoint and here's Q basically once again, in a way, putting Picard in a time frame where humanity is at its lowest. Picard, even this prior to this episode, had one of his most trusted guidance people turn on him and essentially leave him in Guinan. What, because what a guy didn't want to do essentially during this time does she keep t- saying, oh, humanity is a loss. David, I got to give up. this All this
2: talk, it only strengthens our theory that what is happening has to happen. That yes. Q is the destroyer of worlds, not because he wants to be, but because he has to be. Look at his connection to humanity. You bring up encounter at Farpoint. What's the backdrop he used for his tribunal? <laughs> World War three World War three That was his backdrop. Yes. It's all there. And suddenly they recontextualize the reason why Q has reached out and has been attracted to Picard. Hold on, my mic's cutting for some reason. And suddenly they recontextualize every moment we've ever seen with Q, specifically. His introduction his introduction in encounter at farpoint, because now we can see well all of this is connected where he decides to hold humanity on trial why? why why does why of all the species traveling space why did he choose to put humanity on trial well David we're finally
1: going to get that answer if they're doing what we think
2: then we're finally going to get that answer.
0: And it makes so much sense thematically, especially if you want to actually show the importance of Picard himself, that Picard is the only one who can make this really difficult decision because we as Star Trek fans know Captain Picard is the only person that can legitimately make a bad call good. Because it ha- you have to. You have to make the tough decision. <laughs>
2: and you know what? I don't think there's a captain, another captain out there oh, that no. would make a decision like that. No. Card has always been the objective philosopher. You go- unless it dealt with the issues of the Borg, like in First Contact, yes. where he did allow his, his, his need for vengeance and blood to take control. But for the most part, if you look at his track record in TNG,
0: He's always made the hard decisions. Yeah. Let's even take this further because this is a fun question for Star Trek fans. Look at like all the captains. If they were thrust into a difficult situation, would they make the tough call? Obviously, you can't say Kirk would because knowing Captain Kirk, he will fight tooth and nail to try to break the system to cheat. He's a different person. I mean, my favorite line of Captain Kirk was like, Talking about how, I think it was in Star Trek when, uh, why does God have a starship or why does God need a starship? The undiscovered country. Yeah. When he basically makes the comment, we've been patting ourselves on the shoulder every single time and cheating death. Yeah. That's essentially who he is. So you can't say it's Picard. You go to Cisco. I don't think Cisco could make that call. If Cisco was thrust into a point that, hey, you have to actually make this terrible atrocity happen. No. He he wouldn't do it because look what happened when, you know, he was forced to actually go back in time and see the ugliness of humanity. It nearly broke him to see like people like that. There's no way he would, he, he would say this has to happen for the better. Good Janeway. Oh hell no. She's, she's a matriarch. If her family was in danger, she will shoot a baby to save her family. <laughs> she destroyed the entire, um
2: without even thinking about it. Remember there was like ethical questions yeah, about, went, about uh, going through the trans conduit to get back to earth. And she's all fuck it.
0: Yeah. Because she didn't care about the alpha quadrant. And I'm like going and, and the whole, the whole concept was she's putting her family over the, an entire yeah. galaxy. And, and listen, we're not making uh value
2: judgments here. We're simply trying to compare the captain. And Picard is the one that's always made the very hard decision a hard decision that is emotionally detached.
0: Burnham would probably cry, and oh. Archer, Archer, Archer would be like, a, "Ooh, I have no idea what's going on." Burnham
2: would <laughs> would uh, would cry herself into a a
0: a century <laughs> a long sleep.
2: Yeah, she would
0: cry herself. I don't into know what sleep. to do? <laughs> I know what to do. saru help me figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> Negotiate, <laughs> uh, diplomacy. diplomacy. I
2: don't know why she sounds like my cartoon version of the queen, the but queen. just go with it. It works. <laughs> All right. So through Renee Picard, we are learning about the areas of Sean Luke that has hidden, that has been hidden or locked away. Possibly the pain of whatever happened to. His mother was too much for him to bear. So he has locked it away all these years. And possibly that's the reason behind his intimacy issues or his unwilling to fully be vulnerable with uh, people he loves. Um, After this episode, it's clear that his mother suffered from some type of depression, right? Is that what you got? That's what what I got. Okay. That he watched
0: his mother mentally break.
2: Yeah. And I like this, the exploration of issues like anxiety and melancholy. It's very much a human issue and is on par with Trek's affinity for exploring the way, or I should say, the many facets of the human condition. So I do like what they're doing. And that's why I'm so conflicted, Dave, because I enjoyed the fuck out of this episode. It's not a bad episode. No, it isn't. I it's, just, it's a- I just don't want the entire season in. The 20th century yeah or the 21st century so
0: especially dude since the opening was so epic and we got to see yeah so many cool things visual effects wise we got to see rios behind uh, the stargazer i want to see the stargazer i know <laughs> i know and
2: we try to do our best to put away our own objective wants but at times it gets the best of us we're imperfect right dave we are sometimes like those Star Trek fans on Twitter, we're trolling the hashtags, complaining and griping, but at the end of the day, we do something very specific on the show, and I try to be objective. Yes. So on that note, I give this episode an eighty-eight
0: percent on the RMD score. David, how say you? Actually, shockingly, I'm at the same point as you. I have this as an eighty eight because it's not it's not a bad episode. Mm-hmm. But it does give me attention to pause because I'm like going, where is the Star Trek vibes? Where, you know, do not, do not deviate from your story like you did in season one. Don't make this about Renee. Don't make this about Corey. This has to be about Jean Luc. It has to be about Picard and his, as, as Q has said, he is the board that which he plays on. Yep. Okay then you have to make, you, you can't deviate from that. So that's partially why I took the, the the episode down a bit because like it did give me a little pause and I do find myself understanding a lot of the criticism that Star Trek fans have. I mean, Star Trek fans want to see the Federation. Yep.
2: Um, can I be the board that Renee plays on? I'm just, <laughs> just going to put that out there. And if... Uh, Renee okay. likes it. Let's just pretend she's real. She can keep that. Don't throw it back. No, I want young
0: Gineen, dude. Young Gineen can play on my board.
2: Yeah, she had too much attitude for me. <laughs> I like, I like, I like the broken. I like, I like the. She, she's just a, an injured bird, an injured bird, <laughs> little dove that needs help to fly away to freedom. Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this does bring us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everyone for listening, and please remember to go to our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Rayman Digital pledge $5 or more a month, and you'll gain access to a plethora of Star Trek from the holodeck discussions, full-on podcasts, full-length podcast discussions, ranging from all types of different Star Trek um, topics, comic books, books, themes that find themselves continually in Star Trek, philosophy, you name it, we do it. We have a few things in the works from the Patreon side. We do plan to get into the audio play uh, or let's just call it a radio drama uh, that serves as a prequel to the second season of Bacard. That is on the docket to cover that we and that's only going to be available on Patreon. We also have a discussion planned for the Mirror Universe War comic book. And there's also a few other things that we are looking at. There probably within the next month or so will be a review on the very first Star Trek: The Original Series book. Uh, what's the title of that book again, Dave? Oh, Spock must uh, Spock must die. Spock must die. Which I'm five pages into that book. God bless philosophy. <laughs> the opening three pages is. It feels like I'm reading a philosophical essay.
0: It feels like a TOS episode. Yeah, it's
2: great stuff. So if you want to help us stay on the air and you want to get more discussions where we break down and analyze, head over to patreon.com slash digital and pledge. With that pledge, you also gain access to the behind the scenes tier where we put out. pre shows. I was letting that put out, <laughs> put and out just a bit. And there might be some people that got a little excited. Wait, they put out. For only three bucks a month? Mm. What's up, cheap (laughs) whores? Yes, we are. We are. And we do have uh, titty dresses that we like to wear sometimes. (laughs) Titty dresses. (laughs) All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't
0: help but notice your pain. My pain. It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.